Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the CEO Story. We've got a really intriguing story today. So we are joined by Talia Goldstein, uh, who is the founder of the Three Day Rule Matchmaking. Talia, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm so glad to have you on and share your story of success. So why don't we start with the Three Day Rule Matchmaking? been around for for many years now and you've built this all by yourself from the ground up can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do and what kind of makes you different yes so we've been around 10 years now and we do personalized matchmaking so we are meeting our clients and getting to know them and what they're looking for we're meeting their matches and really doing a deep dive and getting to know them and we're setting people up who we feel are compatible so it's a white glove matchmaking service where you're essentially outsourcing your love life to us. Fantastic. Now, that sounds really good compared to all these apps that people are just trying to hit numbers and get success from. This sounds like a lot more personal touch compared to that. It definitely is. We like to view ourselves as a VIP layer above the dating apps, where the dating apps, you can do yourself. The average online dater spends 12 hours a week online, so it's a bit like a part-time job. Wow. Where working with us, we're playing the numbers game for you. You know, we might interview 30 men or women before we present you one match. So we're doing all the work on the back end and we're just sending you over the best ones. I like the sound of it. Thankfully, I'm married, so I don't have to deal with it. But uh, it sounds like an efficient way to go about things. It definitely is. You should be very appreciative. It's tough out there. Oh, I can imagine. All right. So let's kind of roll back the years and, and figure out how you got to where you are right now. So can you kind of run us through some of your uh, past history and kind of the ups and downs along the way? Oh man, this could take a while. <laughs> so I originally started my career as a television producer. I, I live in LA and I was working at Behind the Music for VH1 and E! True Hollywood Story for E! Entertainment. My job was to interview celebrities and really do a deep dive into their life and interview their families. And I really loved that aspect of getting to know people. I was always just super intrigued at their love lives. So I'd always ask the celebrities all about that. And from my cubicle, I was giving relationship advice just for fun. And I started matching people up at work. And I managed to find a lot of success. So I was setting people up who otherwise would never have met. But there's something in them that I thought they might like this other person. And they started coupling up and getting married. And so word got out. And I used to have a line at my cubicle of people coming to ask for advice and if I could match them. So what I decided to do was host some singles events around town so I could bring everyone together in one room. And the first event had 20 people. It was in Santa Monica in, in Los Angeles. And the next event had 300 people at the Viceroy and then 600 people at the London. And it was just snowballing growing so quickly. And I think it was because there really was something missing in the market. At the time, it was just Match and JD and eHarmony or the Millionaire Matchmaker. And there was nothing in between. And so here was a way that people could meet each other. They were all successful, interesting, attractive, and a lot of people were coupling up. I loved the matchmaking and I decided to just take a huge leap and quit my job in television and start a matchmaking company. So let's talk a little bit about that because a lot of the, the listeners here will be somewhat at a similar stage where they may have a job or they may have a side hustle. Uh, can you talk us through what kind of was going through your mind when you made that leap from 
this just being a side fun project that you enjoy doing to, okay, I can make a career out of this? What was going on? Yes. So I really wanted to make sure this was something that I could do full time and make money. So while I was still at E, I decided to take on some clients at night and just test it out and see if people would pay me and how much would they pay me and can I even successfully match them? And so I, I remember going to a bar one night and I thought, I'm going to get my first client. And I walked up to this guy who was trying to hit on a girl and I said, you know, you can hire me and I can do that for you. I can really help match you. And he ended up being my first client. So I told him, meet me at Starbucks, pay me $250 cash and I'll take over your love life. So that's what he did. <laughs> and wow. it worked. I was okay. able to match him. We've got a lot to break down here. So <laughs> firstly, I think it was a good good call to start this while you were still working. So you didn't have the, the stress of having to it having to be a success straight away. And then a little bit of self-doubt crept in by the sounds of it. Can you even do this is what you said, right? So yeah. I think that's really natural. Everyone always doubts themselves. But what? then you just did it. You went, okay, this is my plan. I'm going to go find a random person and try and help them. Yes, exactly. And so what I ended up doing from there is I found another random person. It was this adorable girl that I saw on Facebook. I reached out to her. I asked if she was single. She was. She went to Harvard Business School. She was this amazing catch. I said, hire me, pay me $500, and I'll match you. And so she did. I ended up pairing her with her husband. She later had oh. twins. Um, and that really gave me the courage to do it again. And every time I took on a new client, I increased the price because I wanted to see how high I could go. And so 250 and then 500 750 and now we're charging at minimum of uh, 5,500 to work with us. Well, if that helps you find your loved one that you end up marrying and have children with, then it's 5K well spent, right? 100%. And the amount of time people are spending dating and the amount of money they're spending, it's really a drop in the bucket compared. And it's really the best investment, you know, the most worthwhile investment you can make in your life. Fantastic. So, okay, so now let's talk about the business side of things because going from being a TV producer or person that's interviewing people into now having a business that's in multiple cities. I think what you're in 10 cities or how many yes, cities right now? 10 and we're launching a couple more now. Yeah. So how, how have you kind of dealt with and adapted with that change from being an employee to now having a multi-million dollar organization in multiple cities that, that runs through you? Yes, it's been an interesting journey. Actually, at the time when I started the company, I started with a co-founder and she was meant to be CEO and I was meant to run the matchmaking side. That was what I was passionate about and what I was really good at. A few years in, she had to go back to corporate America. Unfortunately, I really loved working with her. We, made it, we were a great team, but she needed to move on. And so I inherited the role of CEO, which I was very nervous about because that is not really my strength. You know, my strength is matchmaking and people management. And so for several years, I worked as the CEO. And really what it came down to was hiring the right people, hiring a COO that could really help me with operations, making sure I had the right managers on the sales side and the matching side. And that's really what has made a huge difference. I think the best part about three-day role is the culture and the people that we have and the, everyone is so supportive and caring and it really has made the difference. I don't think that we would still be alive and thriving if it weren't for the people that I ended up hiring. 
So that, that's a really good point. You know, we speak with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of them say the same thing that their co-founder initially was kind of the yin to their yang and kind of complemented their skill set very well. But when this happens, it's, it's a whole 360, right? You've got to then figure it out really quickly. And the key is to, to bring in a team that can support you. So how did you do that? So what were some of the, the key steps that you took to, to find the right people that were the right fit for your company? Well, the great thing about being a matchmaker is that we're master networkers. So I had a built-in network already. I could ask people that I matched successfully or that I just made in our Silicon Beach tech network. And so people did connect me sort of to the right people. And after I had the first handful, then the next group sort of came to us. You know, I had somebody who came in, she worked at Hulu and she wanted to run our customer service. She ended up being amazing and one of our top employees. So then people started to come to us and I was able to interview in that way. A lot of it is word of mouth. So asking your network for the right people and then they ask their friends and it carries on from there. Well, you're definitely in the right industry for growing that word of mouth network, right? So I'm sure that was uh, a lot easier. So let's talk about some of the struggles you had along the way. So over the last 10 years, I'm sure it's gone by really quickly. What were some (laughs) some of the tough points that you had to fight through and kind of navigate through without really knowing what was on the other side? There are really so many. I would say the first big hurdle, oh, there, I, I don't even know where to begin. I'll, I'll talk about a couple. So one, my co-founder and I really wanted to scale the company and we didn't have a lot of tech expertise. And so what we did was we joined one of the tech incubators similar to Y Combinator. It was local in Los Angeles. And we were so passionate about three-day role. We joined the program and they have all of these advisors. And one of the first things they say to us is the dating industry is very saturated. You should get out. And we had to make a decision. Do we listen to these advisors? We're in this program for a reason, or do we really trust our gut? And ultimately we listened to them because we were in this program and they were supposed to be the experts. And so we shut down three day rule and we launched another company that we weren't really that passionate about, but it was trendy at the time. It was bringing strangers together over dinner. And we put our life savings into this company. We were working on it. It was similar to Grub With Us. Do you remember that company? No. Oh, yeah. So three people and three people all go for like a group dinner date type thing, right? But it wasn't dating. It was networking. So we would bring in a CEO or some interesting guest, and then people would sign up, and they'd go to dinner with strangers. It was a popular concept at the time and we had the network so we thought we'll do that and to make a really long story short we were working around the clock people were signing up the tickets were selling out but we weren't passionate about it and so after we finished the program we ended up shutting that company down and relaunching three-day rule and you know my big lesson in that is i think it's really important to listen to opinions But at the end of the day you really need to trust your gut because you're the one that saw something was missing in the market so you're really the expert. I, t- I couldn't agree more. You know, an analogy I use is uh, when we're kids, we're always encouraged to go do whatever we want and feel and kind of use that inner instinct, let's call it. And then as we get older, we get more educated and that kind of gets trained out of us as a, a sort of speak, right? Where no, don't trust your gut, use the logic, use the numbers, use this algorithm. And that kind of deters from our own kind of inner nature. 
So uh, I definitely resonate with that. Yes. So fortunately, we went back into dating and then from there, we wanted to raise money so that we could bring on a full-time CTO and to help scale the company. And right as we set out to raise our seed round, I read a blog by a really prolific angel investor in Los Angeles. And in the blog, he talks about his thought process interviewing a pregnant CEO and how he really was not sure if he should invest in this pregnant CEO because would her, you know, would she prefer to spend time with the baby or what's going to happen after the baby? And he, he spoke very freely about it. And I was newly pregnant. And so I read this blog and I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to sabotage the company. And so what I ultimately decided to do was not to tell anyone. I didn't even tell my business partner who you know, was a very close friend because I was so nervous that she would walk into these meetings and she would lose her confidence. And I also thought I might sabotage our funding process. So I hit it. It was 80 degrees in LA and I was wearing trench coats and giant sweaters. And, oh and we were able to raise our seed round relatively easily. And then after we did, I told my business partner that I was pregnant. And it just didn't sit right with me. It, it didn't feel right. It, even for myself, like I wasn't having joy about the pregnancy because I was so almost ashamed of getting pregnant at that time. That's a terrible feeling. Terrible. So that happened. We were able to re raise our seed round. And then a few years later, we were uh, supposed to get acquired. And we had a deal set. And at the last minute, it actually fell through. And unfortunately, I was pregnant again, and I had planned this pregnancy, but I never thought in a million years I'd have to go fundraise again pregnant, but it just so happened that I did. So you're and looking so I, by the sounds of it. I have the worst luck and timing ever. <laughs> but I, so I went to go raise again, but this time I thought, I don't want to hide my pregnancy. We have the metrics to prove that we're successful, and women should be able to be mothers and founders. And so I wore tight dresses and it rocked my belly. And what ended up happening was the people who gave us money spoke with me over the phone. They didn't you know, see me in person. And the other investors who saw me in person and saw my bump would say, we're really interested, but we want to wait until after you have your baby and then let's regroup and we can finalize everything. And so it was cutting it close. You know, I was in the hospital giving birth and we really needed to close the round. So just a handful of days later, I was back at it and closed the rest of the investors and we ended up closing our round. But it really was upsetting that I think visually seeing the bump really held people back from closing before I had the baby. So that, that was now five years ago. I do think we've made a lot of progress. I see more female founders raising money and even while pregnant. So I think we're making progress, but personally, that was a, another hurdle I had to go through. Yeah, no, that's a terrible one, but it sounds like being pregnant is a good omen for you to fundraise. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell my husband. <laughs> so give us some, some of the tips that you use successfully to raise funds, not once, but twice. And uh, let's see if we can share that with the wider audience. Yeah, so we've now raised three rounds, and then about a year and a half ago, we were acquired. The first time we raised a seed round, the second time we raised from a strategic investor, it was Match.com. And then the third round was more like smaller VCs. And I mean, the advice is just, I would say, 
take as many meetings as you can. You know, obviously you're going to get some rejection and it's painful. It ends both of our, um, not the match round and the sort of later VC round, they each took seven months to close. So I always imagine it would take just a couple months, but they took so much longer than expected. The term sheet took longer. So I would say expect it to go longer than you're imagining. And really make sure that you have the right investors. There were a handful of people that weren't interested in investing, but just really didn't feel like the right fit, or they were really pushing us on the terms, and we ultimately had to turn them down. So just make sure that you feel really comfortable and you're excited about the team that you're bringing on board. Really some good points there. You, you have to not just take money for the sake of money, but for them to add value. It has to feel right. And if they're pushing back and if it doesn't, if you get that initial gut feeling that it's not right at the time, then it's probably going to be a lot worse later down the line. And then, yeah, the, it's, it's got to, you've got to all pull together, right? So taking more meetings and being able to handle rejection. I think a lot of people get scared or fearful of being rejected. But if you just look at anyone who's been successful in life, Colonel Sanders is a prime example. He had, what, over a thousand no's before he got his first yes. So you just don't give up, right? Got to keep going. So I like to end with one question. Ah, if you had to uh, split your success over three factors, how would you attribute it between drive, skill, and luck? Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, drive for sure. I think like resilience is key, and this only works if you're if you have the ambition and drive. I really think it's sort of an even you know, combination. I think for me personally, I just never gave up no matter what I would fight. And that was because I was passionate about what I was doing. And I could see firsthand that we were changing lives. I think luck is a lot of it. Like even some of the success stories that we have, I think it's so interesting. I happened to meet this person at a conference and then I happened to meet this other person a couple of days later, and then they happen to be the perfect match and get married. I think the universe plays a role into that. And then Skill, I mean, I don't think that we would, I would be running a successful matchmaking company if I wasn't skilled in what I was doing for a profession. So I really think it's a perfect combination of all three. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Talia. We're going to leave the links below for three-day rule matchmaking so everyone can check you guys out and see what fantastic work you guys do. So thank you so much for your time. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me.